Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. For over a century, the American Cancer Society has supported people and their families who are diagnosed with this condition. And here locally in the islands, over six decades of presence here by the American Cancer Society, or ACS. And today we're going to talk about cancer in the islands, but also how this diagnosis really affects people and everyone in their lives. You know, April is a national uh, Minority Health Awareness Month, and a whole week of this month is dedicated towards cancer identification, treatment, and how we really can work together as individuals and as support groups for people who do have this diagnosis and what we can do to help them during their cancer treatment journey. So I'm joined in the studio by Kathy Alsip. She's the Executive Director of the American Cancer Society of Hawaii and Guam Region. And also by one of our frequent guests, Dr. Shane Morita. He is the Chief Medical Officer of the American Cancer Society and a renowned cancer surgeon right here in the islands. So thank you, both of you, for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, Kathy, let's start with you. The American Cancer Society provides so many different resources for individuals who have the diagnosis of cancer and their loved ones. What are some of the things that the American Cancer Society does? Well, when patients um, receive that very difficult diagnosis, the um, it turns them into a, a place of shock and kind of bewilderment and not knowing where to go next. And the American Cancer Society really provides a place where they can find information, resources. They can go to our cancer.org website and really learn a little bit more after they leave their doctor's office, exactly what to do next, what what to think about, what kind of questions to ask their doctor. So a lot of that is is some really good information and the cancer resource for um, for really finding a little bit more out after you get that diagnosis. And then secondly, um, the American Cancer Society in Hawaii Pacific provides truly you know what what we're looking to do is make sure that the cancer patients get their treatment. So access to treatment is another area that the American Cancer Society really um, makes a point of providing for our cancer patients. So that could be rides to treatment. It could be airfare to from a neighbor island to Oahu if the treatment is is here on Oahu. It could be to our Hope Lodge um, program, I, uh, which we may talk about a little bit more. Um, but but making sure that they can get access to their care is very, very important to us. Um, and then a lot of what we do also is about screening and prevention and really getting the message out about, you know, the things that you can do to either get your um, your that your screening's done so you can find out very early which is the priority um, if there if there is cancer but really looking at things that you can do to prevent cancer so you mentioned information and one of the things that happens very often for a lot of patients is they get a diagnosis and and I've even had this happen in my office where you tell somebody okay you have a problem whether it be you know a colon cancer a breast cancer common cancers a lung cancer and you know all, often their face shuts down they just they don't even know what to do or what to ask next but you know they go home and they research stuff on the internet 
And not all the stuff that's available out there is really carefully vetted by medical professionals to make sure it's appropriate for people who might look it up who don't have a medical background. And the American Cancer Society makes sure that the information that they are providing on their website is carefully looked at and is appropriate and is not trying to sell some sort of treatment that is, you know, from another country or from some area that it's not appropriate or not not approved, it they really have made a significant effort to make sure that what's available on their website is medical information that is geared towards and designed to be read by a layperson or a patient, but also accurate and informative. Right. Everything that we do, every piece of information that is on our website is scientifically backed. And so it's really a kind of a hallmark of the American Cancer Society to make sure that that information is is correct. It's scientifically based. And, and you're right. There's so much information on the Internet. And it gets scary sometimes. Some of the things that are on there um, definitely... Um, going to a resource like cancer.org and the American Cancer Society really creates a sense of um, kind of feeling that they can trust this. So we, we take that very um, um, heavily, that, that, um, that goal, and to make sure that we live up to that. And so everything is very well vetted and um, very important information for them. So you can feel secure if you've read it on the cancer.org website or the American Cancer Society website, you're getting accurate information. And that's a good resource for people to look at because, as you mentioned, there's there's so many questions that people may have. And everyone's cancer story may be different, but there are also some general themes and frequent questions that people would have for any diagnosis. They can really get a lot of information. Now, you mentioned that There's also available, you can even find that there are some resources that the ACS can provide. You mentioned rides to and from treatment, airfare from neighbor islands. These are all expensive things that don't come for free. How does the American Cancer Society get their funding that they can provide some of these services? We are blessed to have a large um, group of people who are very interested in helping the American Cancer Society through individual funders, corporations, foundations. So it's all through individual fundraising, and we have amazingly generous um, people throughout the state and in Guam that that really that know that they need to um, be a part of what we're doing. Now, there are some opportunities for your average person who might want to support American Cancer Society, who's not a business or an organization or a medical facility. How could your, how could your average person support the ACS? We have many ways that they can do that um, online. We also have through our different events. And one of the, the big events that we have coming up in 10 days is our um, Hope Gala, and that is um, a gala that is themed with Midnight in Venice, and we really are raising money for our Hope Lodge program. Hope Lodge is a temporary um, housing facility similar to something like a hotel, but it's for cancer patients who are coming from the neighbor islands for their cancer their treatment. So we have free lodging there for them as long as they need treatment. So this gala that we're putting on is to raise money to make sure that it can be for free for all of our patients that come over. People can donate. um, They can buy a ticket. Absolutely. We still have that. It's online at our hopegalahonolulu.org. 
Um, we also have our phone number if they want to call us. Is Our local number is 595-7500. And we would love to, you know, provide tickets if you'd like to donate. Um, auction items as well are taken. So it, it's it's amazing evening to really celebrate our goal of saving lives from cancer. Well, and that's a very inspirational event because it's something that allows anybody who wants to support the American Cancer Society to meet some of those other people who also are supporters, but to have a fun, enjoyable evening. So that's coming up, you mentioned, in about 10 days or so. Yes, May 4th. (laughs) Okay, May 4th. Well, that's something to put on the calendar if you can. That's certainly something that uh, is an incredible event to support such a great cause. You mentioned Hope Lodge. Where is Hope Lodge? If I just said, I want to go visit Hope Lodge, I'm sure you would take me on a tour. Where is it? I'd love to take you on a tour. Um, it is located on um, Vineyard Street. So it's it's behind um, St. Andrew's Priory area, um, right off of, of Vineyard there. So it's a 20-room facility. Um, they have their own private rooms. They can stay as long as their doctor tell, says that they need to stay on Oahu for treatment. So we've had people stay one night. We've had people stay eight months. And, wow. it's, and it's all free of charge. They have a um, shared kitchen there where they make their own food, but they also share it with others um, who are staying there as well. So we have usually about 20, 20 rooms with, with a caregiver as well in the rooms with them. Fantastic. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Kathy Alsop, the Executive Director of the American Cancer Society here in the Hawaii chapter. And we'll also talk with Dr. Shane Morita. He's the Chief Medical Officer of the ACS about what Hope Lodge has provided here in the islands, but also about some of the other features of the things that the American Cancer Society does that can impact not just people diagnosed with cancer, but their loved one and caregiver as well. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Kathy Alsip. She's the Executive Director of the American Cancer Society, the chapters of Hawaii and Guam. I think that's put together with uh, ACS here. And also Dr. Shane Morita, Chief Medical Officer of the American Cancer Society. And right before the break, we were talking about Hope Lodge. And you mentioned that this is a location where people and their caregivers can actually stay right here on Oahu if you're receiving treatment and require an extended amount of treatment, whether be radiation or chemotherapy or some type of treatment that they may need. And you mentioned that this is supported mainly by individuals, corporations, and by donations. Yes, we have so many generous people who are a part of of knowing, especially with our neighbor island residents, where all of our colleagues, our friends, our family, we know that they need to be able to get to Oahu for some of the specialized treatment, um, and you know, if that they can't get on their island. And so we, we want to make sure that that's available for them. So our events are the only way that we're going to be able to support this Hope Lodge being um, open and free for them. And again, if people were interested in supporting that, you mentioned that there's uh, events coming up in less than two weeks. Yes, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yes, we have our Hope Gala, which is on May 2nd, May 4th at the Sheraton Waikiki. 
and we would love to have anyone um, buy tickets to that at hopegalahonolulu.org. And so that, you mentioned it would be Midnight in Venice. Midnight in Venice. It's going to be a, a great gala and exciting and fun evening. Well, midnight is usually the time I go to bed, hopefully earlier than that. But uh, I haven't been to Venice. One of these days I want to go and see what it's like at that time. But certainly a way that people can support the the American Cancer Society and also have a fun evening and meet some other fellow supporters. Now, you mentioned that another thing that the American Cancer Society does is really help to try and promote screening and prevention. And that's something that, you know, in the last couple of years, we've really refined some of the screening guidelines for various different types of cancers and incorporated some new ones. You know, for those people who have a long smoking history, the National Lung Cancer Trial came out and suggested that people should be doing certain scans if they are heavy smokers to identify lung cancer early. One of those cancers that if found early can often hopefully be cured or controlled before it spreads. Other cancers that people are concerned about common ones, colon cancer. There's always concerns about trying to prevent that. And then also prostate cancer, breast cancer, pretty much any type of cancer that someone may get, there are resources available for them to get more information through the American Cancer Society. Right. I'm all, uh, as I've really um, delved into some of those, those research and those screening tools, you realize that you can you can be a part of that prevention um, effort for you uh, not re- not getting cancer, and so there are so many things that we can do. For, you know, the testing, the screen, the pap tests, the colorectal cancer screenings, the um, you know the HPV vaccination for our, our youth, and and just making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, not smoking is a huge part of of our of our cancer, our fight against cancer. Um, as well as, you know, uh, fruit and vegetables and eating well and exercising. Um, all of these things play a huge part in, you know, our part in making sure that cancer stays, you know, away from us or that we find it very early. That is the key is if, if you do have cancer you, and you can't prevent it, that you find it very early. Well, and it's funny because I've done, I've been doing some reading and they have identified that exercising regularly can help prevent cancer. I mean, literally, it's just shown to prevent various types of cancer, not all, not all cancers, but, but many of them. And so there'll be times when I'm just, just lazy and I don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to go around walking and I'll be like, well, but it's cancer prevention and it would be so much easier to do this exercise than to have to worry about getting cancer. And I'm like, okay, for cancer prevention, I'll do it. So, you know, it's one of those things that motivating yourself to do something to help prevent this potential outcome in the future that you don't want to have is very important. And it's something that motivates me even when I don't feel like doing it, like after the show today, but I'll be out there walking around the park. Now, American Cancer Society also, are there you know, not just for the person who gets cancer. Are there support groups for the families? Are there ways that they can find more information for caregivers also through the ACS? Right. Caregivers are so important to um, a cancer patient's journey. Uh, they can't do it without a care, you know, a caregiver um, to be able to help them, like you said, at the doctor's office, being able to relay the information. So what we do is we really support those caregivers as well. Um, as the cancer patient. So even, for instance, our, our 24-7 call center 
they the caregivers are as welcome as the patients to call and really we provide that support and those tools and those ideas and you know it, it could be anything from insurance to clinical trials to you know things that cancer patients um can eat well and digest well. I mean, it, it runs the gamut of, you know, of paying an electric, helping them find a resource to pay an electric bill if they can't because they're spending all their money on medicine. So it's it's both the caregiver and the patient and the whole family that really are part of what we, what we are servicing to our cancer patients. So... Well, and it's as as you noted, there there's a recent article in the New York Times, maybe about two or three weeks ago, where an individual described how cancer doesn't just affect the individual; it affects their caregivers and everyone around them, and that if a caregiver takes time off of work to care for their friend or their loved one who may not even be a direct family member, that that affects their own ability to pay their bills, to pay their rent, to deal with their financial implications and obligations, and that it really does affect the village. You know, it takes a village to do a lot of things. And and when someone gets cancer, it affects everyone around them to try and help support that individual in any way that they possibly can. I do think that that element of group support, not just for the person who has the cancer, but also for the caregivers. Very often there are things that patients can learn from one another that I would never know to tell them because I haven't been in their position and finding that network of people who can help them and provide some of those resources or even just uh, point in the right direction to know where to go next is ideal. And having this coordinated through a national society like American Cancer Society is ideal. Now, Dr. Marita, we haven't heard from you yet. It is time to put you in the spotlight a bit. You are currently the chief medical officer of the American Cancer Society and a very well-known, renowned cancer surgeon here in the islands. What motivated you to become part of ACS? You know, um, my parents uh, growing up in Hilo have always been involved with giving back to the community. Um, My father, almost 15 years ago to the day, April, I still remember it, April 26, 2004, was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. So... um, just uh, seeing what kind of services they provide, they provided at that time, and seeing the, you know, the the, the passion that people had for their job, um, it really wanted me to, you know, continue to perpetuate that, and so I've been fortunate to be on the board of directors here and work with amazing people who are really leaders in the, in the community, and it also just it's just a way of. Um, I guess honoring my parents, I saw my mother. You made a great point about the caregivers. I mean, this when the diagnosis came, I remember I was in surgery. I was in surgery, I, I think, for about eight hours, and I got a call, um, you know, to contact my family back home. It was about eight fifteen at night, and uh, it really turned my whole life upside down. And so, um, but I saw my mother there. She was at the bedside and. Um, it really, you know, you make a great point that it does affect the entire uh, family unit. And it was, you know, physically it was a lot of stress for my father, but just I think emotionally too. But, you know, I think everyone got through it. Um, But, you know, it can happen to anyone. It's a perfect example. No one's immune from it. Well, and here you are, a cancer surgeon, and a member of your family gets cancer. And so there's also that whole other element of your knowledge of the profession, of the type of cancer, of the treatments, and that also combined with this being your loved one really has a double impact 
that I can see why it would have spurred you on to be more involved with making sure that people, other families who have cancer also get the same level of support. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Shane Morita, Chief Medical Officer of the American Cancer Society, and Kathy Alsop. She's the Executive Director of the ACS. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about who does cancer affect here in the islands? What are some of the statistics and why this is something that could truly touch any one of us at any time? We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Shane Morita, Chief Medical Officer of the American Cancer Society, and Kathy Alsop. She's the Executive Director of the ACS. And April is National Minority Health Awareness Month, a whole week of which is dedicated towards cancer and cancer awareness. Now, here in the islands, we have a unique patient population because it mimics what we see in our society. There's no true ethnic majority. We have a variety of different ethnicities represented here. And that also affects the diagnosis and prevalence of cancer as well. What are some of those statistics on cancer here in the islands, Dr. Marita? Well, as a whole, uh, it's estimated that this year about 7,000 patients will be diagnosed with cancer and over 2,500 will die of this disease. Right here in Hawaii? Absolutely. And these are of all different ethnic backgrounds. Different ethnic backgrounds and diff- you know different disparities that we see in different types of um, you know ethnic uh, groups and different types of cancers. Uh, many people, for example, don't know that Hawaii has the highest mortality for stomach cancer, um, and one of the highest for thyroid cancer as well as liver cancer. So. Um, sometimes a lot of generalizations are are made with with mainstream media and what what's happening in the general U.S. But here in Hawaii, we do observe you know sort of unique challenges. That's I, I think predicated on it could be genetic factors, it could be you know different other uh, other um, I think um, you know factors. But definitely, I think learning you know the challenges that we have in Hawaii is really important. Well, and part of that relates to genetics, as you mentioned, family history, but it may also be the challenges of just literally living in a rural area on the neighbor islands and not having access as readily as you might if you live, you know, right here in downtown Oahu to getting the information that you want or seeing the can and having cancer treatments provided locally just because of the logistics. There may not be radiation therapy if you're living in, in Hana. It just doesn't exist. So, you know, there may be some needs for you to go to other locations. Have you had patients that you've treated who have stayed at Hope Lodge? Oh, absolutely. And they, they enjoy the experience because it's a, it's a real bonding, ex- you know, bonding um, opportunity. And, you know, these patients traveling from neighbor islands, some of which, you know, my, my parents knew growing growing up in Hilo and, um, you know, me taking care of them, having the privilege of operating on them. But um, just having, I think, that environment where it's a very loving uh, environment where it's there's a lot of empathy because people are going through the same thing. You know, they have cancer. And as Kathy said, it's about a 20-bed facility. And it's not only for the patient. It's for the caregiver. And who wants to go through a cancer uh, you know, 
diagnosis and management plan without a, a loved one who, who, who's there, just like how my mother who was very loyal to my father and, and supportive. You've seen it in your own family, and I'm sure you've seen it, again, replicated in some of the patients that you treat, that their spouses or their children or their loved ones, family and friends, all try and rally together to help that individual with the diagnosis, whatever the diagnosis may be, cancer of any sort. Because very often, if you can catch it early, you can have a better course of treatment, maybe less invasive treatment, or maybe have some of the newer types of treatments, immunotherapy, et cetera. But if you catch it late and it's already spread and it's a stage three or a stage four, the treatment options are limited somewhat and they're not the same that they would be if you caught it earlier. Yeah, I I think that's true, you know, in most instances. But, you know, I'm just just talking about the experience that my father had in 2004. There are so many options now. I mean, we're fast forward 15 years, um, immunotherapy. I remember being uh, when I was at National Cancer Institute in fellowship and, you know, having patients in clinical trials, which are essentially experimental therapy, trying to find what's the best care. And now they're, they're standard therapy. You know, immunotherapy before was, you know, a few patients got it, but now you, you can see that there's been a major paradigm shift and patients are still functional and going to work and, um, you know, cancer never comes at a convenient time, but you know, luckily, uh, these patients are still able to to move move on, and um, it's really it's it's important what the American Cancer Society does. It's it's research. You know, trastuzumab, which was used, um, it's used commonly to treat breast cancer with a certain type of protein mutation, HER2 new, um, was F- approved by the Food and Drug Administration over 20 years ago, in 1998, and now it's still utilized. And the American Cancer so- Society you know, help fund that research. So, you know, for me, being on the board, it's not only about seeing what happens in the community here locally, but also, you know, the impact that American Cancer has, society has nationally. Well, and it certainly leads itself to the idea that because any one of us could be diagnosed, it's never convenient, it's never a diagnosis you want to get, but because any one of us could be diagnosed with this or any one of our loved ones or family members, That is the imperative that makes us all need to support organizations like the American Cancer Society that helps to provide the information, the medically vetted knowledge that people will need once they get the diagnosis, and the questions that they may have or the resources that they may not have available on their own if they don't have a loved one who could drive them back and forth to their treatments. These are some of the resources that people need to know are out there so that they don't neglect treating their cancer because they're afraid of the inconvenience or because of the lack of options of them to get to the location where treatment might be needed, that there are some ways that this can be supported, which is something that all of us, I've had cancer occur in my family as well. And this is why we all need to support an organization like ACS in any way that we can, whether it be just by by supporting their actions or their activities or even, you know, Kathy, you mentioned that there's a gala coming up and finding ways that we can all help the community as we could all wind up being caregivers to loved ones or even patients ourselves. And that's not something that we want to have happen, but it, it could it could occur. And if there's ways that we can work on trying to help one another through it, that's certainly an, an admirable task. And, and I, I absolutely admire both of you for putting in 
all of that effort to this cause to make sure that we can address this here in the islands. Dr. Marito, you mentioned that 7,000 people this year will get diagnosed. Yes. And 2,500 of those will pass away from cancer just in 2019 alone. Yes. Have those rates been increasing over the last few years? In general, um, in general, you know, the rates are declining, you know, but I think just by sure numbers because the state is, you know, expanding, you know, um, I, I think just only natural with that. But I think we are getting better in, in our, in our early detection, although I will tell you that there's certain groups, for example, colorectal cancer, you, you had mentioned that disparities. Um, Native Hawaiian patients, for example, have a much more um, higher rate of advanced disease than others. So, Well, and this being April, National Minority Health Awareness Month, a week of which is dedicated to cancer, it's time to have your cancer screening done if you haven't and support one another if you do have cancer. Always remember the American Cancer Society is there to help. Thank you to both of you for being on the show today. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on whypublicradio.org. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week. Mm-hmm.